We at the Unsolicited Advice Column would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded land of the Darug people, specifically on the land of the Boromaree peoples. We value and esteem the wise, courageous and resilient culture of Australia's First Nations peoples. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, I'm Nicole. And I'm Ellie. We're best mates in our 30s who are learning how to parent, love a good chat and dishing out unsolicited advice. We want to be a friend in your pocket or in your earbuds who will learn with you and that you can have a laugh with. All right. Welcome to the Unsolicited Advice Podcast. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Hey. Hi, how are you going? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Did you have a nice week? I did, yeah. Started a new job. That was pretty exciting. Oh, uh, did you start a new job? Ooh. Did you? And like, what would you give it out of ten? Your first oh, week, like twelve. <laughs> oh my god, that actually makes me so happy. It's good. It's really good. That's awesome. That's so good. Like, you deserve to be in a job that you love. Work is like so much of our lives, isn't it? Yeah. Like and you think about how much you spend in a day at work, how much time you spend in a day at work. It's insane. And think about all the different areas of work, friendships, the content. Are you interested? Is your brain active? You know, are you enjoying what you do? Mm. Not to mention the relationships that you're building. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all very valuable. Speaking of relationships, I actually, I've got to be really, <laughs> I've got to apologize for being like not mm-hmm. really holding up my end of the friendship <laughs> what? this week. I know that I've been crap at getting back to your texts. Oh, oh yeah, because I'm the champion at replying. <laughs> what? You know it takes me three days sometimes to respond. Mate, I am I'm actually so bad at this at the moment. I am horrible at getting back to people's texts because what happens is I send the text message or I receive a text message like, and maybe I start a, a text back and forth, mm. but I don't finish it. Yeah. And, and if I get a message, I'm like, must reply, must reply, must reply, Hamish. <laughs> and then I just, it slips out of my head and then I'll be sitting there feeding and I'll forget to do it because yeah. I'll be like, whatever else I'm thinking about in the day. And then it'll be 2am and I'm doing the 2am feed mm. And I'm like, I can't text them now. It's rude. I think it depends who it is, though. Because if you text me at 2am, I, I won't notice. My phone's, my phone's on vibrate. I wear earplugs because everyone in my house sleep talks. So if my phone buzzes, I don't know about it. So so, oh, so you actually wouldn't notice if I, I were notice. to text you at 2am? I'd probably notice if the phone rang, if it was like an emergency and the phone rang. Yeah. But Kieran's phone you always hear, so... If, if someone says we're trying to get one of us. But if someone were to text me, and people, like, Kieran goes to bed much later than I do, mm. and he sends me things when he's downstairs on his computer, and I'll be asleep, and I won't see it till the morning. Okay, that's really interesting, because, so I actually think that there's, like, like, I, I'm starting to wonder if it's people's responsibility to turn the notifications off. Yeah. And then if I text you at 2am, sure. too bad, so sad. I think so. <laughs> No, I think but so. No, no, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do it to a lot of people. Like, so you know, like there are some people who like don't silence their phones because they've got kids who go out and can drive, and so you literally can't text mm. them till nine o'clock in the morning because okay. they may be asleep and you might wake them up. Like, I have a friend like that, and I wouldn't. I would not. I try not to text her before nine a.m. unless it's a work day, because I'm like, what if? I wake up. But now I'm worried that I should be more considerate of when you're asleep. <laughs> no, because I turn my notifications off. Okay. So so you can text me overnight and I won't I probably won't even see that there's a text message there until the morning. Like even when I wake up for the night feeds because I don't get notif- I don't get banners, I don't get anything oh, really? in the night. Yeah. And I don't go and check my text messages in the middle of the night. That's what I that's what I want to set up is that do not disturb window on my phone. Yes. Because I think actually that's better. For example, your friend that you were talking about, yeah. they should have that do not disturb. So say if you're waiting for kids, your kids' calls come through. Just their phone. Yeah. Yes. So like the emergency yes. numbers come through, but yeah. all that other 
like friends that you probably don't think will ever need to call you on an emergency at 2am in the morning, they're all on Do Not Disturb. And you yeah. might get that until you, you turn it off. I really like that. Yeah, I think I actually, like, I only installed it, like, well, set it up when we were having Hamish. And I was like, I don't want to get text messages while I'm in labor. <laughs> I just don't care. That's I'm smart. not interested. So I didn't want my phone buzzing off while I was trying to give birth. So I set it on this really hardcore do not disturb setting <laughs> and I haven't taken it off like at night. That's what I, that's what it ticks into this focus. Do not disturb. This explains why when you went into labor, we didn't get any responses. Oh, I think a whole bunch of us were texting you because yeah. we were kind of going, Oh, have you, and then it became the case of everyone's going, have you heard from Nicole? <laughs> no. Have you heard from Nicole? I think she's having a baby. She's yeah. having a baby now. Oh no. Oh, well, yeah. and then everyone texted and then we all figured out that maybe we were all texting you <laughs> at the same time. And we're like, just stop now. <laughs> this, it, that was by design. So I really just wanted to be able to have some really clear headspace and I knew that my family would be really anticipating things and wanting to know what was going on. I knew, yeah, friends would want to know. And I'm usually so open and like communicative about that sort of stuff. Like I wouldn't normally not tell people that a big life event was happening to me as it was unfolding, but I knew I needed to be really focused Mm. Um, and thinking about, contacting people and just thinking about beyond my bubble of Chris, myself, the baby and the nurses and doctors, doctor, like I just couldn't, I needed to be in that room. It was really, it was actually quite a mindful process for me, birth. It was really quite magnificent in that way. That's yeah. really lovely. I'm sure not everyone can say they had the same experience. Definitely not, but I, I am really grateful that, that I did turn off my notifications (laughs) but it makes sense in that scenario and i think it does make sense you know to have emergency contacts coming through when you know you've got Mm. people who might be calling if you have someone sick or whatever and you you might be expecting a nighttime call but are there people that if they texted you and it did wake you up at 2 a.m you would look at and like not be remotely upset about it and be like, oh, hey, Nicole's messaged me. Oh, definitely. Or do you have friends that you – or is it a blanket? Who is this person? How dare they? No, if you messaged me at 2 o'clock in the morning and I got the text, no, I wouldn't be be ticked. Don't know if I'm ever awake at 2 o'clock in the morning, to be fair. Yeah. I'm definitely not a 2 a.m. kind of person. (laughs) But I think you messaged me the other day at 5 a.m. But I I think I sometimes message you at 5.30. No, because I get off to the gym sometimes at 5, 5.30. So sometimes when I go to the gym, I'll be sitting on the machines and I'll um, text. But also for me, I respond to people when I'm on the train commuting. That's my time. Because I do exactly what you say about I might not reply to people for days. And then I have friends where I see it and then they will send follow-up messages, which I'll go, Oh, I've really got to reply to that. Yeah. And then I'll get like another follow-up message. And then I have one friend who just goes, Ellie, 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 like this in like all caps and multiple exclamation points. And that she knows that that always prompts me to say, sorry, I've seen it. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm this is what's it. going on. But, <laughs> but it also comes down to the time things, but something that I really like, and I don't know whether it was a bit by design from when I first had my phone, I set it up that I would never be someone who was always available on my phone. So I don't, I didn't like the idea that people would know where I was all the time yes. and would know how to reach me all the time. Yeah. And so even when we were kids, not kids, teen, teenagers, like late teenagers, I used to get messages and then deliberately not respond to them immediately because I didn't want people to think that I was available to have the back and forth. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> And so I've kind of set it up with friends. So I think they, for the most part, know that if I haven't replied, it's not because I'm upset. It's not because I'm mad. I absolutely know that about you, that if I haven't heard from you, I just send a follow-up. Or like, And if I'm desperate to get in touch with you, I call. Yeah. If, if the message is that important, I'll ring you because yeah. I know you'll call me back. If you've seen there's a missed call from me, I know you'll call me back when you, get, when you get a chance, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I actually think that that's, that's actually really helpful that I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't panic when I don't hear from you. Like I'm not stressing or worried. I'm like, I'm just like, no, I'll hear from Ellie when I hear from Ellie and it might be days or it might be a week. (laughs) It might be 12 hours. Like it could be any of these things, but I don't like, it doesn't worry me or phase me because I know you're busy 
you'll get back to me when you can or you've just forgotten about it and I'm not offended. <laughs> but isn't that something that's really nice about good friends is this idea that you can not speak to them for days or weeks or months or in some cases years and then when you do talk to them, uh, it's as though you spoke to them yesterday and everything's just leapt off, leaped off from the same point i love i love those friendships i actually remember when you were living in the uk Mm. and we'd catch up like it's not like i was making a massive effort to contact you when you were living there every now and then i get in touch and then when you'd come home it would be like no time had passed at all yeah it was insane and it was really like yeah it just felt like we'd just pick up where we left off every time i think it's really nice like that for me is something that I use to kind of rate good friendships. Mm. It's a good friendship if if you can just pick back up and no one's like, well, you didn't text me or you've ignored me. Why didn't you text me back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why didn't you call me back? So then what would be other qualities that you would consider up there in terms of peak friends? Peak friendships. Oh, like a friend who can be... Um, who you would actually go to the effort of having the difficult conversation with. Mm, I think mm-hmm. is so important. Like I've really learned this lesson with a beautiful friend who we just, we never had arguments and never fought. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, you know, it had been a long time of us kind of sweeping things under the rug. And when we finally decided that our friendship was worth more than sweeping things under the rug having Mm -hmm. an honest conversation it actually brought this beautiful new era or element to our friendship and deepened it Mm. um and so i think yeah a friend who is actually willing to have a tough conversation with you is really valuable so i think yeah i think honesty is important but not a brutal honesty i think a good friend is someone who as you said, can say, hey, I don't think that's the best decision, but in a tactful way because they Mm. know you and they know the language or the tone that you might respond to. Mm. Um, But I also think nobody just wants a bunch of friends. Maybe some people do, but I don't want a bunch of friends who just agree with everything I say. I don't want an echo chamber either. (gasps) Yeah, which is... I like that. Do you see that though? Like I've just (laughs) echoed you. (laughs) (laughs) No, me either, Elle. Me either. I don't want that. What else don't you want? (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Oh, that was good. (sighs) Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Which is actually funny given how frequently we actually like the same things, agree on things, like... In, in, I think uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and I think I imitate you a, a lot. <laughs> Straight back at you. I can't help myself. But, like, do you know what I do like is the way that you'll go, ah, oh, but, and then if you think that I'm interpreting something incorrectly or, like, if you have a different perspective to give, which you always will share your perspective on, like, things we're discussing. Mm. Like... You, you're really good at being like, oh, but, and then we have these really rich discussions because I don't feel like I'm just hitting, yeah, like a, a sounding board that's just coming straight back at me with my same opinions. Mm. I am um, with my house, uh, one of my old housemates, we used to have these, I would call discussions and she'd say we were arguing and we then would argue about whether we were arguing or not because I was thinking that we were having a conversation but we just had different opinions and to me that's not arguing to me that's just a conversation yeah but if you had yeah if you had different opinions she felt like it was more of an argument because you weren't agreeing but I actually think that's okay if you can have conversations with people where you come out the other end and you don't agree But that doesn't mean that I don't respect your opinion or respect you. Correct. I can exactly. I can still listen to what you have to say and think, uh, she still hasn't swayed me over to her side, yep. but I can see where she's coming from. Yes. I actually think that that's that, yeah, that experience for people of like, they see uh, like conflict in terms of somebody doesn't agree with their perspective. That is therefore an argument 
I see that as really interesting because like I grew up in a house where we would argue quite frequently. Um, and so for me, an argument's got to be kind of heated. It's got to be like a bit like people clashing. Mm. Whereas I think, yeah, healthy discussion. I thrive off it. I love yeah. it. I love different perspectives. I love hearing somebody push back against me and I love getting into the fray of that. And I think something nice with friends is that you know you can probably kind of push the boundaries a little bit um of things that you might not be comfortable saying in other spaces because i think you often think well my friends will pull me back in line or my friends will not they know my full character they're not going to go oh well now i can't be friends with her because she said this one thing they'll have a conversation with you about it and then it won't be like a decision maker in the friendship. Yes. Like, but I think that's a signature of old friends. Ah, uh, true. Friends yeah. who have been friends with you for a long time. You can have those conversations with and like discussions and not worry about like, will it change the way they think of me? Yes. Cause KB had, we met up with some of his colleagues not that long ago and they have a lot of banter. There's a real bantery kind of vibe. And a couple of them were throwing out a few kind of bant moments. And I bit back, not in like an aggressive way, but I, I just like joined in the banter. Yeah, yeah. And, and I asked him later, well, why do you join in in that way? And he was quite worried that because it's more of a newer friendship group for him um, and because it's his colleagues – there's so much more weight attached to everything he says. And if he says the wrong thing, they don't know him well enough to know that's maybe not what he meant by it. Yes. And he's terrified of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. But here's me who like has known them for all of two hours and I'm yeah. throwing things in left, right and center. And I was like, maybe I should be more considerate. But it, I think it's, that's hard, right? Because for you, like it doesn't actually matter if they think you're a bit of a cow. It does probably a little bit. I'd, I'd care. Oh, of course you care. <laughs> but like it probably like you're, you're not the one who has to work with them. True. And they're not going to think less of Kieran because you're a bit of a funny person <laughs> who comes in with some banter and, mm. you know, is a bit, um, a bit fresh with them. Like they're not going to be phased by that, are they? Whereas like, or you hope they're not going to be phased by it. Whereas for him, he's obviously invested in his workplace and he needs, mm to maintain that reputation True. and you are like when you meet new people and you build new friendships how long is it until you're like i'm confident they know who i am and if i say the wrong thing oh. here they'll they'll read they won't read into it as like a definition of who i am they'll see me for who i am and go oh no that was a that was a misstep do you think we overthink it more the older we get about trying to make new friends as adults. Because I feel like as kids, it was, hey, do you like Tarzos? I love Tarzos. Yeah, great, let's play Tarzos. And that was that, we're friends. Yes. Where, and, but I do, I do think the basis of friendships stay the same. So I think it's your vicinity, whether you're at a similar stage of life or whether you have values or something values. in common. Values, I think, like so important. I think they're more important than age, life, stage phase like I think if you connect with people like on a values level your friendship can transcend all those other weird boundaries that are really just superficial yeah I think values are really important it's it's interesting because like obviously you're embarking on this venture this week you're in a new workplace Mm. so like you're trying to establish yourself as an employee but you're also going to be wanting to make some social connections at work because, like we said, work is so much of our lives that if you don't have those social connections there, it can feel like a pretty lonely yeah. adventure. Well, I've got to admit, so far everyone has been incredibly nice. And I was actually talking to another new colleague who had only started a couple of weeks before me. And we were both saying, just kind of waiting for the catch where where's the catch everyone's very nice everyone's very passionate um everyone's very in like everyone's very interesting very intelligent very um working on really niche 
things that when they talk about it, you're so invested in it because they're so invested in it. And mm. it's, yeah, I think it's different when you're starting a new job because I think people are welcoming, welcoming you into a community. Mm. I think when you become a new mum, I think there's a different challenge in that there are mother's groups or other parents that might welcome you into a community, mm. which you might have a better idea. But I also think it then creates a weird uh, kind of environment with the people that you're leaving behind in a sense. Oh, yeah. Like, what? who am I leaving behind? Well, no, because I, I feel like since I've become a parent, the relations to the number of my friends have changed. And it's just because they're not at the same life stage as I am. Yeah. And I had an abundance of time from them when I was single. Yes. It Yes. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a, it's a big shift to, like, your whole world not being about what you want to do and your time not being yours anymore Mm -hmm. to suddenly your time belongs to another little person or three little people. Mm. And you have to like, everything has to be negotiated around their needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a really big shift. And like for somebody who I, I definitely would describe myself as a selfish person. (laughs) (laughs) I loved, loved relished. Well, actually I didn't relish it then, but I now look back on it with such incredible longing, the ability to just leave the house with my keys and my phone whenever I wanted Mm. and just to do that and go where I wanted, do what I wanted, be out for as long as I wanted. Mm -hmm. Like all of those things are beautiful things. (laughs) They are incredibly special. And I'm so conscious that I may not get that back for 15 years. (laughs) But also, do you find now that you're making more friends that understand the stage of life that you're in? So if you are running late because it took you longer to do this or the baby wouldn't settle, you've got a friend, you're you're surrounding yourself with people who don't get annoyed by that. There are people who accept that. Enter my mother's group. Like, wow. (laughs) They are super understanding, super supportive, kind women, intelligent women. They're Honestly, they're awesome and I'm really hoping they're listening to this because I'm saying really nice stuff about you guys on the internet. (laughs) But like they really like they just show me so much about how to just navigate this whole being a mum thing. Um, But it's a really weird way to make friends, a mother's group. So you meet online this is like how post-COVID mothers' groups meet. Right. You meet online in a Zoom, right? What an awkward way to meet other people. Does everyone have to bring their babies? So it's yes. Like this you bring is... your baby to the Zoom, you hold them up, or you might be breastfeeding during the Zoom. It's, it's an awkward way to meet people. You don't get an impression of their personality really at mm. all. And so... Like, but you get a look in their houses. That's my favorite part about Zoom. My favorite so thing creepy. about <laughs> no, but that's my that was my favorite thing about going into lockdown was going to Zoom. And back then, people didn't use the blur filter, so you got like a little bit of a look at people's houses, and you're like, oh, someone really likes plants. Ooh, you like dark furniture. That's a lot of dark furniture. <laughs> I liked that. I like that too. And there was um, there was one lady who had a grand piano in her home, and that was pretty. That was a pretty cool insight into like her yeah. wild and wonderful life. But do you think she kind of set it up so the grand piano was in the back? If she didn't, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> like everyone, do you see my piano? Just... Like I'm just sitting here by my piano. Like <laughs> it's like having all your awards just on your on over your shoulder on yeah. the or like you know yeah. the album that you're trying to sell on your. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, oh, yeah, here's my new book. Yeah, just sitting just sitting on my bookshelf. Oh, weird. Oh. just sitting behind my shoulder? Oh, how did that get there? Um, yeah, it, but it's like Zoom is a really weird way to meet people. And so I, like, got really lucky that my mother's group was pretty keen to catch up in person pretty quickly. So I think within a week we'd caught up for coffee oh, nice. in person. And from there we just got this, like, it started off slowly – but it has built to this beautiful, supportive group chat where we are constantly Aww. on the buzz. Um, you know, I'm kind of, it's kind of weird if I haven't heard from them in half a day kind of thing. 
Over, over the weekends, we're a bit quieter, but that's because people are around on the weekends. Mm. Um, but yeah, honestly, like I just hit the jackpot with my mother's group. I really like them and I really think their babies are really cute and I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just been really nice kind of growing with them. But um, it definitely, what I would say about being a new mum is you definitely feel like you're dating, right? <laughs> it's that, will they like me? Will they want to oh. be my friend? Will they ask for my number? Can I give them my number? Um, like, and I've seen like these hilarious Instagram videos about it and they crack me up. And there's this one lady who explains this like Venn diagram of like kids who are the same age mm-hmm. in one circle um, living in a location that is near enough to your home that it's yeah. convenient to be friends with them. And then people you actually like. <laughs> and if you if you are in the middle of this Venn diagram, then you have hit the mum friend jackpot. The, the mother load. The mo- <laughs> well, you're on fire tonight, pal. Um, yeah, the mother load of friendships. And it's actually true. But I do. Like, there are, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's a beautiful thing when you do actually find people who sit in the middle of that Mm. Venn diagram they're very special because I think there's a lot though that are in those spaces around I think particularly as kids get older you really learn how to make conversation with everyone because you you often end up having to make conversation with your kids friends parents and I know my mom always says that's how they you often end up then becoming friends with your, your children's friends, families and that. And then yeah. so you do things together because you'll have kids the same age. So you might go camp together or go out days out together. Um, but I do think it is tricky to try and find people that you, you do tick all those boxes. Yeah. People you click with, like that you both click with, mm. like that kids click with. Yeah. I think it'd be really tricky, but I think it's nice. I think it's nice for children to see adult like really healthy adult friendships as well that's something that I'm really grateful from when I was a child I have I think I can count say like five couples that I grew up with my parents being friends with that were over at our house or we'd all go to their house or we'd go away together or go out to dinner together um and I knew that I still know all of them and I've known them for over 30 years Mm. and for me I think that was a real example of what good friendship looks like Mm. and I think sometimes I think having models or 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 friendships are quite a nice like to know what you know top level friendships look like I think it's quite nice yeah it's really beautiful isn't it actually like being able to look at your your like I've always thought my mum is a really good friend to people. Mm. She's very generous with her time and energy and she invests in them really well. And yeah, it's actually, it really is very true that the way that our parents have friends kind of, we learn from that Mm. and it's, it's good to make sure that those people and those friendships um, are a good model for your children. Like I, I would be thrilled if Hayne, had a friendship with somebody one day that was like the friendship you and I mm. share. Oh, I think that absolutely. would be wonderful. But I'm also thrilled that he will have you as a friend in his life. Yes. Like I, I, that makes me really happy that like our friendship like extends to your love of him. I love that. It's so beautiful to watch. I think it's really nice. I think, I think it's hard to, because the eldest in my family is kind of at that awkward stage of trying to figure friends out. And, you know, when kids are kids and they say things or they decide they're not going to talk to someone or they just, like, all that stuff. I think I forget how frustrating it was being a preteen girl. Um, But also trying to explain to them, is this how you want friends to treat you and is this how you want people to is this how you want to build friendships and this is how is this how you want to treat people as well I think is a really hard thing to try and explain 
to children. Yeah, that would be really tricky, actually. It's a really great point because, yeah, I can remember having those conversations with my mum when I was a kid. The the girls that I really liked in primary school didn't want to be my friend anymore. Oh, yeah. And my mum was like, there's another really nice friend. Like, you've got somebody who's way nicer than those girls who is always a good friend to you. She's Mm -hmm. consistently kind to you. Why wouldn't you go and hang out with her instead? Mm-hmm. And when I did, I was so much happier yep. than trying to maintain these friendships with girls who I didn't have the right, like we didn't match values wise, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They were into other things. I don't even know what the differences really were, but they didn't want to be my friend. They just didn't like me. And I wasn't really invited to be in their friendship group anymore. And so went and found a new friend who was really kind to me all the time. And I'm so glad that like, I'm so glad they didn't want to be my friend anymore. Yeah. Because the friendship that I had with this, these other girls was just so much better and Mm. so much more fulfilling because we did actually meet on that values level. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that, that is like, but how do you communicate that to a kid? I guess common sense. Is it common sense? Do you really want to hang out with people that aren't nice to you or do you want to hang out with a kid who's always nice to you? Exactly. And something that really bothers me is the way that kids throw around labels. It's my best friend. We're best friends. My best friend. It's like, do you actually know what it means to mm. be a best friend? Um, Cause I saw a meme the other day. You sent me this. A DS. Yeah. And it was a quote from the office, uh, Mindy Kaling's character. I know. I don't think it's from The Office. I think it's from Mindy Kaling's other show. Is it? The Mindy Project. Have you seen it? <gasps> yes! Yeah, I think it was from The Mindy Project. Oh, I thought it, it sounded like a Kelly thing to say. That's what I think. But it's it also... It does sound like a Kelly It's thing also... To say. But maybe it is also a... Um, it's also the... Yeah. It's the Mindy Project? The Mindy Project. Yes. Yeah. It is also yeah. the character on this. Yes, <laughs> That's what yes, she yeah. would Mindy. say too. Mindy. Mindy. <laughs> um, and she talks about being best friends. It's not a title it's a tier, like a level. And that I, that hit me. Profound. Yeah. This is something that I really struggle with because I've always had lots of friends that I all consider all of them top tier friends. Like I think of, I have a best friend from childhood that I've known since primary school. I have a best friend from uni. You're my best mate from high school, but you're pretty much my best adult friend. (laughs) But I've got best mate from when I lived in the UK. I've got a best friend from my first job. And these are all people who I consider top tier humans. They're on the tier. Yeah. They're on the best friend tier. I actually, I think it's so helpful and so revolutionary. It reminds me of something that I learned when I was like maybe in year nine my high school best friend and I were having like an off day. I got on the bus. She was clearly like not having a great morning. I wasn't having a great morning and we didn't really say very much to each other on the way to school. And I got to school and I thought our friendship was over. I thought thought it was all done and dusted. I thought she didn't want to be my friend anymore. So I went and saw the school counselor because that's what you do. You don't (laughs) want to go to class? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. (laughs) Go see the school counsellor. It was awesome. It was like a get out of jail free card. Until she clicked on and was like, girls, what subject do you have? We're all like maths. (laughs) She's like, go back to class. How did she know? (laughs) Because she's the school (laughs) counsellor. But that day I genuinely was like, I was crying. I was so upset. I was like, I think, what, what does this mean? We've never had an off day before. What, how does this work? And she was like explaining to me that friendships are like circles, like you're at the center and then your friends move in and out of these circles. But think about those as tiers, like circle up. Oh, right. And I like it was actually really good advice. She was like, people move in and out of these circles. I mean, that didn't happen that day. That best friend has been my best friend for a very long time. <laughs> and that day was our off day. You know, we just had an off day. Like, yeah. I think we spoke to each other on the phone that night. And I was like, do you not want to be my friend anymore? She's like, of course I want to be your friend. Why are you being ridiculous? Like, it was just an off day. But it was a really helpful thing. And it's actually stayed with me really mm. profoundly. Because it's true. Sometimes people are in your... in. On your top tier. Yeah. 
And sometimes they move up and down through these tiers or in and out of circles. Um, and that's okay. I, we, we seem to be so fixed on like collecting friends and holding on to mm. them as they, as they were at their closest. But they don't have to stay there. Sometimes it's okay for them to move in and out of these circles. And I think it's actually really good when you can just like let that pressure of trying to keep mm. everybody in your inner sanctum. I think it's also go. really healthy because people have their own lives and they also might need to take time away from friendships, not because of you, but because they have a lot going on in their lives. Um, but actually what you were saying makes me think of that saying um, – there's friends for a reason and friends for a season. Yes. And I think I think about, for example, high school. People that I was friends with in high school, quite a number of us are still friends now. But the way those that group gets together now is actually quite different to how we used to hang out at school. And so I think a lot of what we did at school was just because we were all in the same place together and we all had some semblance of things in common. I actually, I also, I've noticed this too. It's interesting because you and I, we weren't tight, tight at high no. school, no. but then have subsequently become really great friends. We weren't even friends at uni, really. I think we just happened to go to the same uni and occasionally run into each and other. And bumped into each other quite a bit. But yeah. we certainly weren't friends at uni. You used to go, yeah. I. Mm. When, did we, when did we become good friends? I'd say it was when we were planning to move to the UK together. I feel like that escalated quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we must we must have just been starting to hang out more and more and realised that we had this common goal. And then we were like, really good. And then we travelled together. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think anything cements a friendship like giving the other person <laughs> a, chest a chest infection. A really, really filthy one. <laughs> oh, like that stuff that was, it was fluorescent green, that stuff it coming out of my, yeah. so long. Like, what did we pick up in that European summer? And I'm so sorry that I gave it to you. Also, Charlotte's Web. Oh. Oh. Can you please tell the story of Bridgie Dish? <laughs> We was we air and beat our way um, around the UK for maybe ten days or something. And our first stop, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I picked up a car, picked up picked up Nicole from the the train station up in Cambridge, and took us to our first Airbnb. And it was a actually very a very articulate lady, I would say. She reminded me of Jermaine Greer. But I think we think that because I'm sure Jermaine Greer had lived in Cambridge and she referenced her living down the road or her old house or something like that. Yeah. And I don't know. In my head, like, I don't remember what Bridgie Didge actually looked like. I can, I can picture her. Oh, you can picture her. Yeah. She had All really I see short is Jermaine. hair. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she had some very intense conversations with us about what, um, do you remember this? What uh, female pleasure might look like in a sexual relationship? Do you remember uh, this? No, I clearly <laughs> blanked that. Did she really? And I think we were both very overwhelmed. And then we went to use her bathroom because she was showing us around the house. And actually, this I this is quite I find this quite funny because I can picture your face so clearly. <laughs> so for like for those playing at home, I. Am so frightened of spiders, <laughs> like phobia barely begins to cut it. <laughs> and so, she opens her bathroom, and there's this quite significant size, significantly sized spider in the corner of the shower. Yeah, and she says to us, "Oh, leave the leave the spider there. I'm not going to get rid of it because she's pregnant." And I think she might have babies. Nicole, being as cool, calm, collected. Like, I can see that you are like, this is my nightmare. It was my nightmare. It was my nightmare. We're staying in a stranger's home. She's unusual, which is not a problem in and of itself. We stayed with some unusual people in yeah, the UK. That's true. And it was fine. I didn't feel unsafe with her. Until I saw the spider. <laughs> yeah, but you were really cool about it because you went, oh, it's just like a little Charlotte's Web in here. <laughs> and I think 
think I actually might have snorted because I laughed so hard. But I was trying not to laugh so hard because I knew that you were this whole idea repulsed you immensely. Honestly, I was like, yeah, I was pretty scared. It was pretty awful. Yeah, I'm really glad that um, I'm glad I'm glad that Charlotte's Web happened and i'm glad that we got to meet bridgie didge and i'm glad that we got to bond on that trip because it was good it was not the beginning but a, a beautiful chapter i think in so. a beautiful friendship yeah god but yeah like how see how do you how do you create recreate experiences like that with new friends i guess it it'll happen right like over time you get these idiosyncratic stories and life experiences that you share but it's time Friendship mm. happens over time. I think, isn't there a rule around if you're still friends with someone after seven years, then you're kind of stuck with them for life? That sounds it's right like You have to, to make it to seven years. And in that time leading up to it, you could lose that friendship at any point. But once it's lasted seven years, like that's that, man. Like that person's around for a while. That feels, yeah. I actually think that that's probably very, very true. I really like that. I'll, I'm going to start thinking about, are you a seven-year friend or are you a... Oh well, we've still got the use by dates coming up for you then, mate. See you later. Oh well, where I think I think we're well past the seven we're year mark. We're well past the use by date. We're definitely you're in, you're in, and you're in. I would say we're ten years of true, like true proper friendship, mm. and then I would say we're twenty years of actually knowing each other. Is it twenty years? Oh my god! Oh yeah! How old am I? Oh wow! Yes. <laughs> I just watched watched you experience so many emotions. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, we've known each other for 20 years. More than half our lives. That's a really long time. It's pretty yeah, so, but And 10 years, definitely, of, like, friendship. And then, obviously, yeah. like, yeah, it must be around the eight-year, nine-year mark. Oh, wow, yeah, that we've been really good mates for. It's wild, isn't it? Incredible. How That's so nice. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, yeah, how do you solidify a friendship? How do you lock it in? Or how do you, but also how do you work on being a good friend? I think friendships are like any relationship. They take work and effort in different ways. doesn't mean they have to take heaps of time, but you do have to care because you have to invest some of yourself in a, in a friendship, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And so how do you improve what, what you are like as a friend? Or do people not need to really do that? No, of course you can make an effort to be a better friend. And you should make an effort to be a better friend. Because I think we're always learning. Because you're always learn. People change. And so you're always learning about friends. And some friendships will be easier because some of those relationships will be very straightforward. Sometimes you'll just gel. Yeah. And you just get along and it's just, it flows and it's easy. Mm. So what, what do we think are like three things you can do? To help lock in an adult friendship? I actually think it comes down to listening. And that sounds really weird because I'm a terrible listener. So am I. <laughs> I'm horrible. People like will tell me something and I'm like, oh, and I'm genuinely invested and interested as they're telling me. Walk away, forget it. Yeah. Or I sometimes have something that I want to say so much about the thing they're talking about because I'm also so interested in it that I actually am not allowing them to finish their sentences. And that's something that I, I hear myself doing all the time is I finish people's sentences for them because I can't wait for them to get to the end so that I can say my thing. I think that that's actually listening though. That's active listening is when you, when you are like anticipating what they're going to say next. I think it's actually also, it's active listening because you're anticipating, you're actually that interested in what they're saying that you're trying to go there with them, that you're following their yes. train of thought that closely. Okay. Well, that's what it's like for me anyway. Like if I do that to you, cause I know that I do that to you oh, I and noticed. I do that, I do that to other people in my life. It sometimes drives Jenko mad because he's like, that's not what I was going to say. Let me finish my sentence. <laughs> Amy does too. He goes, if you just let me finish. <laughs> Oh, that's hard to hear. It's hard. It's like, oh, sorry. Because that's me trying to show that I'm actively involved in listening to what they're saying and I'm participating in the conversation. But, yeah, it's it's not – people don't always find it comfortable. Sometimes mm. it really annoys them. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I've got to listen to what people actually want to say rather than what I'm anticipating that they're going to say. And am I actually then shaping the way the conversation's going mm-hmm. because I'm – 
interjecting with what I think they're going to say next. And also, well, I also think listening, and there's probably is a bit opposing to the listening idea, is asking questions. I think particularly with new, particularly with new friendships, I think you have to ask people questions. And I remember someone once said to me, you could talk to anyone and you could talk underwater. I said, yeah, but it's just a case of asking someone questions until you find something that they seem to be really interested in that you actually want to learn a bit more about. And so you just ask them about that and listen to what they're saying and kind of steer the conversation in a direction of something that you're interested in. And when you get to that point, it'll just flow quite normal because you're, you're both very invested. You are unusually good at asking questions about topics though. Like I, I really would say that in your set of skills, asking specific questions and, and propelling a conversation you are very, very good at it. You are very good at it. <laughs> it's the, it's the ex-journo coming out in it me. It <laughs> totally is. It totally is. But it's also your natural curiosity. And I think that that makes you probably an attractive friend to people because people do like talking about themselves. Oh, yeah. And they do like sharing themselves with other people. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking in like a narcissistic way. No. But... I'm talking in a like... Like, the reason that you probably find it easy to make friends is because you do talk to people about themselves and people feel good about that back and forth that and engaging, like, and they're confident about talking about things that they find interesting. And you have such a wide variety of interests, Elle, that you inevitably connect. Oh, yeah, just keep going, Nicole. Yeah, keep going. Tell I'm, me more. Tell no, me more. Tell I'm me more just, about how I'm fantastic to, I am. I'd love I'm to hear it. I'm trying to break down why I think you would have an easy time making friendships as an adult, whereas I feel like I get a bit stilted and a bit awkward sometimes. Oh. And then, yeah, and, th- and then I tend to find a way to bounce over it. But, like, I can't always come up with good questions. I think I've also gotten to a point and. Actually, it's something that I've noticed in going through the new job experience. But I think I'm more confident, actually, in myself of thinking this is what I bring. And as long as I'm being polite and respectful and doing my job to the best of my ability, if people click and they like me, that's great. But it's also understanding that something like 10% of people won't like you. And that's nothing to do with who you are and the choice that you're making. You're just not a personality for them. And that's cool. Because I used to think that everyone had to like me. And I used to, they used to carry, I used to carry that on my shoulders so much. And I used to get like so upset. And I'd think that all my friends were pretending not to be my, were pretending and they weren't actually my friends. And it was a whole typical teenage girl thing. Yeah. That, that I actually can relate to really profoundly. Not so much the wondering if everybody likes me, but... (laughs) I guess everyone just loves me, (laughs) I guess I've always had a a pretty healthy ego. (laughs) Just assume... You know those people who were like, my worst nightmare is nobody comes to my birthday party? (laughs) I never fazed me. Never worried me. I was like, people are definitely come. People are coming to my party. (laughs) People love me. (laughs) Why would they not come? It's going to be a wild night. (laughs) So wild. (laughs) Um... It did get pretty wild that time. Like there was one time that um, this guy was being really rude to one of my friends at a, at a pool party <laughs> and she pegged um, a really heavy water balloon straight at his junk <laughs> and by accident, but it just landed there and it just was a beautifully by poetic accident. moment. <laughs> oh, I, I assume it was an accident, but it was a beautifully poetic moment and I, I will always remember that. It was a bit wild. Um, but yeah, like not so much that aspect, but more that I need people to like me and if they don't like me I'll almost like work on it Mm. and try to fix it but I think that's the gift of your 30s you Mm. stopped caring like I have stopped caring about oh that person doesn't like me yeah yeah stiff shit like I don't care that you don't like me I don't need you to like me yeah and I actually remember I had a falling out with a friend once and my dad which is so funny because my dad is very much a doesn't have the time for the girl shenanigan business like that's not he's and his main response to me when I used to come home from school complaining about friendships was but why do you care except that I hear myself say it now to the kids in my house but why do you care what that person says to that person it's got nothing to do with you don't get involved and that's like I can hear my dad in my head as I say that and I, I used to get so annoyed but I remember when I had this falling out he said to me, 
okay, so you've lost this one friend. And to be fair, I was a bit blindsided. She just kind of called me up and told me all these horrible things about me and then said we need a friendship break. It felt like a breakup. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry that you feel that way. And then she came back six months later asking to be my friend again. I was kind of like, oh, let me have a think about it because I didn't really like what you did. Um, Great. I'm so glad that you weren't just like, sure, because that's not okay. That's not an okay way to to manage that conflict in a relationship. Yeah, it was, it really, it really wasn't okay. And I was really upset about it. And my mum, who's normally the champion in these situations, was not at home. My dad (laughs) gets me in tears and is thinking, I don't don't know what he thought was going on. But I told him the situation and he says, okay, so you lose one friend. You're going to be okay. Like you've got, he's like, look at all the friends around you. That you have. Think of all the friends that you have. Mm. You lose one. He said a few other choice words, but I won't necessarily. So it actually sounds like your dad was the perfect person at this moment. He was so in this moment. And this is the thing. He always hits with like the really good, like the gems when you least expect it, but when you need to hear it. He's like, look around you. It's okay if you lose one friend because you actually have so many other quality friends. So like, why would you invest your time in trying to save a relationship that is not healthy for you like if they're the kind of person that just like drops these awful bombshells on what you about they how terrible to be you are truth bombs that yeah sound just like mean bombs yeah do you need those people and why would you invest in that relationship why would you not look at all the fantastic other friends that you have whether it's three whether it's 50 and invest in those relationships instead yeah i actually love that your dad's made that comment i just think that's so good i'm gonna pocket that one away next time i'm stressing about i don't like i don't anticipate that a friend's going to break up with me anytime soon. I hope, <laughs> oh, certainly hope not. you're not going to, but um, like, never. yeah, I just like, it's actually really good advice. And, but like that, just apply that to anybody who doesn't really like you Yeah. and kind of roll with it. Yeah. Like, I think so. Why, why spend my energy on somebody who doesn't like me when I could spend my energy on people who do and exactly who I care about liking me. Yeah. Yeah. Way more important. I really like that. Nice one. So, okay. So do you remember a couple of eps ago we were talking about growth mindset? Oh, yeah. So I thought we should have a little segment about Mm -hmm. growth mindset. And I thought we would just like talk about something that we were working on slowly and shipping away at over time and actually having a bit of a growth mindset about So I've got an example for me this week and maybe have you got an example of something that you're working on? Oh, I'll have a think. You go first and I'll see if I've got one. So um, one of the things that I've been trying to do with Hamish is go on slightly more adventurous car journeys because we had a bit of period of time there where Hain really didn't like the car. We'd get in the car and he'd just scream and cry and get really upset And sometimes sweaty and it was very stressful and um like we've done so many things about it we were talking last week about the happy song Mm. um and like we've we've gotten kind of through the worst of it now sometimes he'll get a little bit sooky in the back seat but it's it's way better than it was yeah right like way way better i still what i would like to hear from the back seat is a giggle Oh, I thought it'd be like sheer silence because that's what I'd like to hear from the backseat of my car when there's kids in it is the silence. I really want to hear a giggle from the backseat because that for me will be like the moment that I'm like, hey, Mike's the car. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah. So I'm waiting for the giggle. It hasn't come yet. He kind of just looks at me in the, in the rear view mirror with these eyes that are like, are we in the car again? Like, Are you sure it's not, I think I might fall asleep? <laughs> sometimes fall it's asleep. also those eyes, but um, mostly it's the, I don't want to be in the car again. Um, oh, buddy. So, yeah, but he's getting there. He's improving. But so we're going on slightly more adventurous car trips. And so one of the things I set myself as a bit of a challenge for this week was to go to a shopping center that's like, instead of in my usual 20 minute radius that Mm -hmm. I've really kept myself very tightly to for the last couple of months. Um, We went to like a 25 minute, 30 minute away shopping center. You wild thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, he did get whingy. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to try it. But I did it and it was fine. 
he was, we got out of the car and he still giggled and had a good time and was sweet as pie. Like, do you know what I mean? It it didn't have a long-term effect or impact on him. And so that's my goal. Yeah. That's, that's my goal is to try to be a bit more adventurous. We're going to go on a few like longer trips in the holidays. Mm. The school holidays are coming up. And so we're going to go on a few little trips in the holes and I think it'll be really good. I don't know if mine is a growth mindset, but maybe you can tell me if it's the right tangent, but it's something that I have really thought about this week is I'm trying to get back into going to the gym. And I, I used to be quite good at having routines and things that I would do, but I would find it so hard with having to be in the office a number of days a week, having other commitments with the kids, um, I play basketball and it goes really late at night sometimes. So I don't want to get up early and go to do the next day. And I used to be really hard on myself. I just was like easier to not go. But I'm trying to think of it more now as if I just turn up and I don't do a full, you know, hour long set, but I actually just start with one thing. And if I do one thing and that's all I've got for today, then that's great. Um, or if that's all I've got time for before I have to get changed and go to work, then that's fine. But I actually have done one thing and the, and I'm trying to go as many times a week as I can, but not beat myself up if I don't go, but just the opportunities that I do go, just whatever I can do is enough. But then the other night I went and I found, <laughs> do you know the card game Spider? No. It's kind of like you have to mash the, the cards and put them in order of like King to Ace and kind of set up a bit like solitaire anyway i found it on the treadmill and i was using it while waiting for kieran i kid you not i was there for an hour and a half walking on the treadmill because i was trying to work out how to play this game and i was trying to win so you were intellectually engaged in something yeah even if it was spider yeah (laughs) which sounds awful to me just so that we're clear, as an arachnophobe, a game called Spider does not sound like my idea it's of a good no time. Spiders. I don't know why it's called Spider. There's no spiders in it. It's just a standard pack. Anyway, <laughs> just a standard pack of cards. Right. But still, um, it sounds like you're intellectually engaged and that kind of distracted you from the fact that you were actually exercising. That has always been, that has always been my thing, though. I have always had to listen to podcasts or... Um, when I do use machines, I will have to have my phone in between and be researching something or trying to read something or watch something because I actually exercising is not my, I don't, I don't enjoy mm. exercising. Mm. I enjoy the feeling afterwards of being like, wow, I feel so fit. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be my life now in there's like no actual difference. But I think that's probably not a growth mindset, but I think for me it was the idea of just because we're talking about just that, starting. Yeah, that does sound like growth mindset to me. Like it, like start somewhere and build slowly over time. That's a growth mindset. Because my thinking is, if I start and I get into the habit of going four times a week, even if it only was a short period. Because sometimes I'd wake up and go, oh, I'll only be at the gym for thirty minutes. There's no point going. Where it's like, well, if I do that when it gets to summer and it's warmer, I might get up earlier. Or like now that my job's changed, maybe. Um, I'll have more time to stay a little bit later or whatever it might be. Mm. And, but if I get into the habit of going, I can then improve. I can work on the length or work on ways that I can get the most out of those 30 minutes, or I can create some kind of slightly different routine of what I do across the different days, knowing how much time I might have, or I can, Mm. I can improve those, those things, but actually I just need to start by getting myself there. No matter how much time it is. I think that sounds great. All right, well, well, I'll check in with you and how it's going next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like... for our growth mindset segment. <laughs> right. Well, if you have something you want to tell us about how you're developing a growth mindset, you can actually leave us a Spotify voicemail. I figured out how to leave the link in our um, Ooh, description for the podcast. Well done. So if you want to leave a, um, yeah, leave us a Spotify voicemail. We'd love to hear about what you think about friendship. We'd love to hear about what you think about growth mindset and how you're going with a growth mindset goal. Or if you have any other tips for kind of working on friendships or working on improving a skill or stepping outside your comfort zone, 
I'd be interested in hearing your tips. I'm so interested in hearing those tips as well, actually. I think they'd be really helpful. So send your unsolicited slash actually solicited advice (laughs) our way. We'd love to hear it. Um, Yeah. See you next week. See you then. All right. See you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Unsolicited Advice Podcast, brought to you by the Unsolicited Advice column. For more information, head on over to our Instagram or to get in touch, leave a Spotify voicemail. Thanks for listening.